1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: We're glad to have you with us on what is now a Thursday morning, so rejoice! Hallelujah! We're getting so close to Friday Actually, this is so cool. My brother and sister-in-law had to postpone a visit to New Jersey, to me, in northern New Jersey, uh, going back the weekend of the hurricane because uh, they live in the D.C. area and they were worried about driving back on the Sunday in the rain and the wind. So they postponed their trip until a little bit later in fall. Now that weekend is here and I found, are you ready? the Great Pumpkin Festival in a different part of New Jersey where we are going to go this weekend. I'm very excited. We also have a brand new hiking trail on a new mountain that I've never seen and they've never been to. So we're looking forward to that. Some leaf peeping Western New Jersey style and a Great Pumpkin Festival. I don't know, Jay, that might be where I pick up the pumpkin. Touching the pumpkin. I'm going to be touching lots of pumpkins this weekend, finding the perfect pumpkin for us to use uh, so that we can do the carving on Monday.
3: That seems like an appropriate spot. I kind of want the pumpkin to come from there.
2: The Great Pumpkin Festival? Yeah. Could I tell you something really funny? It, my new group of kiddos that I'm teaching at church its specifically fourth and fifth graders, and they are in a gymnasium. That's where we meet. And so there's fun activities for them to do before. We've got inflatables, there's an obstacle course, and there are multiple basketball hoops. So this weekend, and, but here's the problem though. The hoop is really low. It's about, oh gosh, it's eight feet maybe. It might even be a little lower than that. And so I can dunk on it. Um, and there, <laughs> there, I told some of the, the boys that I would play basketball with them. And then I felt like it was unfair because not only was I able to dunk the pumpkin, um, but it was throwing off my shot because it was so low. And so instead I was serving as the rebounder for them as they were chucking the pumpkin.
3: No, you got to dunk that ball. No, You got to be like Vince Carter off. out there.
2: No, on an eight foot hoop you're just or whatever playing, it is, you're just
3: playing the court that was given to you. Not your fault. <laughs>
2: yeah, but it throws off your shot. Have you ever tried to shoot either with a smaller ball or with a lower hoop? Yeah, it completely ruins your shot. Yeah,
3: the lower hoop definitely because you're you're used to shooting the arc on the higher hoop. So when it's lower, yeah, it's, it's
2: very it strange. It you want right. a line yeah. drive shot, not like yeah. an actual shot with arc on it. So yes, I stopped shooting right away because I was worried it was going to throw off my famed shot. <laughs> that's just. I don't even know what that is. That's me posturing. No, I'm not dunking on a little kid. Posterized. I'm not postering a kid. That's just that's not happening. They'll go home crying, someone'll have a broken nose. It's not it's not happening. You'll have a sick poster. Uh, no. On a fourth grader? What kind of street cred does that earn me? The right kind. And there's this one little fourth grade boy who's very timid, and so to get him to take some shots, I was very excited. If I go up there and dunk on his butt, and he goes home with a broken nose, he'll never return to church.
3: Swat his shot. No, oh here
4: you go. (laughs) No, he'll he'll
2: cry. No, he'll cry. You know how it is. Fourth grade boys, they're still in that. In that zone where crying is a definite possibility, so yeah, yeah, it's an option. <laughs> Just admit it. You cried when you were in fourth grade.
3: No, wasn't much. Never much of a crier. You had
2: two sisters who, no doubt, well, one older sister who beat up on you. I hope.
3: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I returned the favor.
2: I made my brother cry when he was that age, and then at ninth grade, all of a sudden, he went from being shorter than me to six four, and there was no more beating up on him. That'll do it. Yeah, that was the end of that. <laughs> Yeah. He got me back for a lot of beating up on him after the t- after the time that he shot up. Yeah, six five is what he finished at, and he was not budgeable anymore. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, pumpkin in the future. We are live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. You need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family. Rocket can. We've been talking about pumpkins. We've also been talking about dogs because every time I post a photo of my dog, you all respond with a zillion photos of your dogs and they make me happy. Dogs. So check out the post either on Twitter, A Law Radio. I mean, it's just a sleeping dog. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this at all, but she is fuzzy and she is comfortable and she looks like autumn. And Penny is one month away from 13. So please check it out on Twitter, A Law Radio, or on our Facebook page. And from our show Twitter account, I did just retweet a bunch of your dog photos, including. Maggie, who's 15. She has a sweet face, but it's got lots of gray hair on it. Penny has a few gray hairs under her chin, but most people don't know. She's aging very well, kind of like Grammy Helen. You would never know that Grammy Helen was 100 uh, when she was celebrating her birthday this spring. Well, you wouldn't know Penny's 13, except when you hear her lay down. (laughs) That's what she does. Huge size. Yeah, she's... She, it, she goes down very slowly and then crash. <laughs> so much. I can't do it like her. I wish that I was coy enough and clever enough to be able to get a video of her when she's either standing up or sitting down. And if I make her wait too long, for instance, if I'm putting my shoes on to go outside and she has to wait longer than 10 seconds, she sits down. No, 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 Penny stand up because when she stands up again, it, it also requires major effort. So I try to get her to stand up, but she only stands for so long. Then she's got to take us. She got to cop a squat. She's got have time to wait. No, that's not it. She's too tired to stand up for longer than 10 She's a diva sometimes. That's true. She definitely is a diva. And stubborn and saucy still, even at 13. She was running. She was moving away from me this week. She was actually going around the other side of a vehicle so I couldn't get to her. She was, like, forcing me to chase her. Get out of here. (laughs) It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4227. That's our toll-free line. Laugh if you must. It's okay. We don't mind if you laugh at us. Now let's turn our attention to the games between the Padres and the Phillies, the Astros and the Yankees, taking place on Wednesday. So it's a doubleheader in baseball. They're not going doubleheader on Thursday because NFL, the big bad, is back on national TV. But we did get the opener of the ALCS. And I got to tell you, initially, I thought the Yankees would have more runs against Justin Verlander. The way the first couple innings played out, they had opportunities.
5: Here's Verlander's pitch. Swung on, head high in the air to deep left. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Harrison Bader strikes again. You know who he is. Darth Bader. And by the way, in case you wondered, I'm just wild about Harry. He homers to left center and the Yankees take a one nothing lead. Here it comes. Swing and a mask. Got him on a curveball down and in. Rizzo strikes out. Verlander has struck out nine. And he has struck out two in this inning as Verlander continues to mow down the Yankees. Here's the 0-2 to Donaldson. Strike three call on the outside corner with a slider, and Donaldson goes down looking, striking out for the third time today. Carpenter, no batting gloves. Waiting for a 3-2. Verlander delivers. Swing and a miss. Got him on a slider down and in. Carpenter strikes out. 11 punch-outs for Verlander.
2: Robert Ford on Astros Radio before that. John Sterling and Susan Waldman. They were practically giddy when Harrison Bader got a... He blasted the ball off Justin Verlander. And the Yankees had chances early on. The opportunity that stands out to me, wasted opportunity, is the third inning. He... Gave up a single and a double, I believe. And there were runners at second and third with just one out. But he strikes out Josh Donaldson. Then he strikes out Matt Carpenter. Carpenter was talking to himself. He was talking to everyone else. And it turned out that the only run that they got off Verlander was the Harrison Bader home run. Now, he had thrown 45 pitches through two innings. But once he settled into a groove, the door to the vault was locked.
6: As the game's going along... Um, you know, you just gain more confidence as you start making better pitches. And uh, once I started being able to execute my pitches the way I wanted, uh, I feel like my confidence just kind of built upon that. And I feel like they had the momentum early as an offense against me, but I felt like I was able to kind of bring it back on my side and, and, and uh, just kind of keep the pressure on them once that happened. And uh, thankfully our boys came through with some some big hits and um, the bullpen did their job like they usually do. And uh, that's how we win a lot of ball games.
4: Didn't start off that way, but uh, it was big of him to pitch out of trouble. You know, when he got the strikeout to Donaldson, boy, that was that was huge because, like, uh, I mean, this guy, he can get out of trouble. And then the strikeout to Carpenter, um, you know, he dialed it up. Um, he got it together. He was actually better between 80 and 100 than he was prior to that. And uh, he was uh, dealing –
2: Dusty Baker likes what he saw from his future Hall of Fame pitcher. I'm not sure if you all heard this after the fact, but Verlander, who said previously he wants to play until he's 45, wants to pitch until he's 45, I bet he stole that from Tom Brady, has now indicated that he will pitch until they tear the uniform off him, Uh, considering his track record in the postseason for the most part. How many times have we seen this, Justin Verlander? Well, plenty, and he said it was a tweaked calf that prevented him from pitching well, through off his mechanics against the Mariners. Early on, Yankees did not capitalize on their chances. They go 0-4 with runners in scoring position, and the deal with the Astros is that you do not have a great margin. You've got to capitalize when they're there because you're only going to have so many chances. It's not just the starters and and Verlander pitched extremely well last night, but they have the best bullpen ERA in the majors. So even once the starters are done and and they chased him after six innings, they chased him. That's probably the wrong word. Uh, They saw his backside as he departed after six innings and 103 pitches and 11 strikeouts and only Only three hits. The bullpen is so good. They get the Anthony Rizzo home run, but otherwise, there's there's nothing. There's no openings, there's no cracks in the dam. It's just lights out when it comes to their pitching staff post starters. Meanwhile, it's usually just a matter of time until their bats break through.
5: Oh two. And Guriel cranks it to left. Stanton is going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later. And Landry's Crawford boxes for Yuli Gurriel, and the Astros lead it two to one. Payoff pitch to McCormick, and Chaz drives it pretty deep to right center. Judge is going back at the wall, looking up, kiss
2: it goodbye. Chaz McCormick goes deep, and the Astros go up three to one. Once again, Robert Ford on Astros Radio, Jeremy Pena, he also homered in the seventh. So once they had those three runs in the sixth and the seventh, they were on cruise control.
0: I always say that's what makes us so good. You know, we we pick each other up uh, uh, on any given night. You know, sometimes when we don't put together quality at-bats, our pitchers carry us. And when they don't have their day on the mound, we carry them with the lineup.
6: There's just zero complacency um, ever, and you know just because we won Game One, we understand that there's a hard road ahead of us still, and you know we expect everybody to come out tomorrow just like it was a uh, you know like we lost this game. That's the sense of urgency that we always have.
2: And the the top of the order for the Yankees, uh, you did get the Anthony Rizzo home run. He was one for two. Uh, he also got on base via the walk. And Carlos Stanton was two for four in the cleanup spot. Otherwise, Glaber Torres, 0 for four in leadoff. Judge was 0 for four as well. Um, then you had Josh Donaldson, who was in the five spot. He was over for three. Carpenter, as the DH, was over for four. And so they didn't have a whole lot of openings. And certainly, it's not the end of the world to lose game one at Minute Maid Park. But it was a tough outing against Justin Verlander.
4: He made his pitches, hit his spots. You know, we just, you know, couldn't get really anything, anything going against him. We had a couple opportunities with guys on base, but you know, just couldn't come up with that timely hit um, early in the game to kind of keep him on his toes. You know, he got great arms out of the pen. You know, that can are affected to both sides of the plate. You know, righties and lefties, and you know, good starting pitchers that can work, you know, not only one or two pitches, but, you know, mixing, you know, three to four pitches. So it's, uh, it's a tough matchup. But that's, you know, you want to play against the best. You want to compete against the best. So that's what we got in front of us, and, and we got to go out there and do our job.
2: I'm sure you all haven't forgotten about the who's your daddy and the, the rocking the baby motions. Um, Yankees stole that from the Guardians and Josh Naylor, who was initially making that motion to Garrett Cole, Glaber Torres is the one who did it at the end of the Yankees series against the Guardians, and I saw it in the stands in Houston because you know there is no love loss between the Astros and the Yankees or their fans. Still have one more game at Minute Maid Park before they shift to the Bronx, but you can imagine there will still be – References to trash cans and cheating and all that kind of stuff. Uh, This team is not the same team. This is not a team that's cheating. Uh, Dusty Baker has the highest respect and is also full of integrity. There's a a couple of guys still left, though. Jose Altuve, who's in quite the slump so far in the postseason. He's not hit really at all. Uh, And Alex Bregman, to be sure. And he was always so defiant. I'm sure Yankees fans will have fun with it. The problem is, if you go back to the Bronx down 0-2, you shouldn't really be taunting. There can't be a whole lot of taunting if you don't generate something else against the Astros uh, coming up in this second game, which will take place later on today. It's the only game. There's no NLCS on Thursday. Instead, you've got a 6.37 central time first pitch, so 6.37 at Minute Maid Park. Uh, and it's the the two starters. a well, no, Framer Valdez is a ground ball pitcher. So the Yankees, it's not as easy to hit long fly balls. Not impossible, of course, but he's really good at getting guys to ground out or hit ground balls. And then Luis Severino is the starter for the Yankees. So we'll see if we get a pitcher's duel, if the Yankees can take advantage of their opportunities. Uh, Houston has largely remained out of the spotlight for the last several months against the Mariners, and now certainly against the Yankees. You see why they were so damn good all season. They they were boring. That's how good they were, right? Like They they got no attention. 50 games above five hundred and nobody really talked about them much because there wasn't a whole lot of drama. Well, we're seeing that on the national stage. Six consecutive American League Championship Series appearances and they desperately want to be able to prove that they're a title mm, they're a title contender already. We know that. That they're a championship squad without the trash cans, without the cheating. No doubt that is still resonating with the Astros who remain and certainly with Dusty Baker who took over when that whole scandal became public. National League Championship Series. We'll get to that one next. Padres were on the ropes against the Phillies. And one matchup that I watched actually multiple times. I rewound it to see it a couple times over again on my DVR. Good morning to you. Happy Thursday. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
4: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's
1: Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
3: Best. Here's the
0: 0-2. Kim runs and a base hit into right field. Hit and run to perfection. Kim's on his way to third. He will turn on his way. Segura cuts it. No throw home. And Austin gets Aaron again. It's a one-run game in the bottom of the fifth. Here it is, and Soto swings, hammers it towards the right field corner. That will get down, and a fair ball bouncing up against the wall. Nola has scored. The game is tied. Profar held it third, and Soto an RBI double. 4-4 four, four in the fifth.
4: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: Padres were on the ropes. They got down 4-0 at home. Against the Phillies in game two of the NLCS. And it was four to two when they finally came off life support and showed what they had done over the course of the last month uh, to be able to hit opposing pitchers, to rack up runs, to take advantage of the opportunities with runners in scoring position, to finally break through and string a bunch of hits together. But man, for a minute there, <laughs> middle of the second game of the NLCS, and I was worried about the San Diego Padres, and the crowd was nervous too. You could feel the tension. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Jesse Agler is the play-by-play voice of Padres radio. Now one of the at-bats that helped to really jumpstart the rally was Austin Nola, catcher for the Padres against his baby brother Aaron Nola who has been pitching lights out over the past month or so uh, both regular season and postseason, and all kinds of stories even photos from when they were kids over the course of their at-bat as Austin was able to get the RBI single that scored uh, their first run there in that fifth inning i uh, I'm fascinated by this. As an older sister myself, um, this is an individual battle, even though it's obviously a team sport. And I just kept watching them, looking at their facial expressions. And I know professional athletes are taught uh, mentally to be able to lock in, and it's muscle memory that, that they rely on. They've got jobs to do, and not looking necessarily at who's throwing the ball, blah, 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 blah. These are brothers who... Who not only played together when they were younger, but if you heard the story that was told on the broadcast, when Austin, who struggled to make the major leagues, he actually had to change positions, finally broke in and was able to find a a regular job, a place to really become a, a contributor in the majors with the Padres. His brother Aaron cried more about him getting into the majors than he ever did about his own breakthrough because he had been on a a bit of a meteoric rise. And then to see their parents and how mom is kind of half-heartedly clapping as Austin hits the RBI single to right um, and gets the best of his brother and this at bat. Mom is clapping, dad is stone-faced, doesn't know what to do. And then as the Padres rally continues, people all around them are excited, they're screaming, they're freaking out there at Petco Park, and dad's just standing there. Because a lot of the rally obviously came against his son Aaron. So just the, the emotions, I can only imagine what the two of them are thinking. Yeah, you can say it's just another hitter or it's just another pitcher, But I'm not even sure either one of them said that. But it's so not true. It's like the Williams sisters who used to try to focus on winning a title. But if it came at the expense of Serena or at the expense of Venus, there was always this bittersweet element that was attached to it. They didn't like to play each other. They liked to play together. They didn't like to play each other because it was painful to beat younger sister or older sister. So it's interesting to hear Austin After the fact, talk about facing his brother, Aaron, in the NLCS.
5: It's a typical plate appearance versus my brother. I'm 0-2. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Typical. I might as well just walk up there and uh, tell him to put two strikes on me (laughs) Um, because that's what it feels like. I I just battle, you know. I know the kind of pitcher he is. I know he's not going to give in, and I know that he's going to come right after me and give his best stuff. So uh, i just up there trying to hit something hard through the middle, and, uh, you know, good things happen.
2: I replayed it multiple times on my DVR because that's how intrigued I am by the two of them facing each other in the NLCS. So ultimately, as I say, Austin starts the rally and then the rest of the Padres, they keep it going in that six-hit, five-run fifth inning.
0: Runners go, here's the pitch, and Drury swings, lots one into center field, that'll get down at a base hit, Profar is scored, here comes Soto, a two-run single for Brandon Drury, and the Padres have come all the way back, six unanswered runs, and they lead for the first time today. Runners on the corners, two down, 2-0 to Josh Bell, batting right-handed for the first time today, and comes home. And the Sliders hit hard into right field. And a base hit. He got it past Hoskins. Grunenworth will score. Drury's on his way to third. Another one. And it's 7-4 San Diego in the fifth.
2: Ultimately, as they come out of it, they've taken the lead and there's life. And you can see, depending on what happens moving forward, now the Phillies have been in this position before, but depending upon how they play in Philadelphia, this could be a turning point to the entire NLCS. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Bob Melvin, that's exactly what the Padres had to do.
0: That was big. I mean, you answer right back, which is huge. After giving up four runs and losing the first game, but something we've shown here in the postseason, we have the ability to put up a crooked number.
5: I think we do a really good job of putting balls in play and you know not chasing a ton. So uh, when balls are falling for us, we're getting hits back to back to back. You know there's a stretch there. We're lining out a ton. So you know when, when balls fall for us, you know we're going to score a lot of runs. We still have the mentality where if we can score four or five runs, we're right where we need to be um, with our pitching staff, with our bullpen. Um, you know it's exactly what we need. Um, so. Uh, you know, offensively, if we can do that, we'll be in a good place.
2: From down 4-2 to start the fifth to up 7-4. Able to tack on one more run, uh, but this was a Padres rally that could serve as a springboard for them moving forward. Bryce Harper loves the way that they are positioned because this is what happened against the Braves, of course. They won the opener against the World Series champs and then lost game two, but closed out the NLDS in Philadelphia.
6: They're a really good team over there. You know, they got Musgrove going Friday night. Um, so it's going to be a tough task force. But, you know, we're excited to get back home, like I said. And grateful for the opportunity to get home and, and play in front of our fan base. And I know the bank's going to be rocking.
2: Yeah, it should be. And uh, that is the best thing about this NLCS is you've got two very hungry fan bases. No one's taking it for granted. These aren't ho-hum. We've been here before, been there, done that. And I know that fans are different. Uh, the... The fan base itself may become spoiled. <laughs> we talked about that actually with Brian McFadden, the two time Super Bowl champion, Steelers DB. And I asked him about Mike Tomlin. Always being on the hot seat, despite the fact that he's never had a losing season. And he said it's a hallmark of a spoiled fan base. It's a blessing and it's a curse that you have high expectations because you've won a lot. But at the same time, it means that your fans are constantly looking for more if you don't win the Super Bowl in in their case. But to come back to the NLCS, you don't have complacent fan bases or fan bases that are taking this for granted, I guess would be another way to phrase it. No, you've got a Padres team that hasn't been in the NLCS since 1998 and a Phillies team, which albeit had some great success going back a few years, hasn't been there since 2010. I love the hunger, I love the passion, I love the fact that the fans are sold out and all in. And so it'll be a lot of fun, like it was at Petco once they finally put some runs on the board. It will be the same in Philadelphia over the weekend. So they've got the night off in the NLCS, but looking forward to them rallying uh, come Friday on the East Coast. It's a fun series too because it's it's the West versus East, though maybe not what people expected, right? People love it when it's the Dodgers, Braves, blah blah. How many times I saw predicted? Yep, you know what I feel about those predicted over the course of the regular season that it would be Dodgers and Braves, Dodgers or Dodgers and Mets. Actually, for a long time, the Mets had a, a stranglehold or had the lead, I guess, uh, in the NL East. Yes, sometimes things work out according to regular season and according to your guesses, Astros, Yankees, but it doesn't always work out that way. And thank God, because if it always worked out the way you all predicted, I would have given up watching sports a long time ago. It would be boring as hell. So (laughs) glad that it doesn't. I love the fresh blood. I love the new storylines. Coming up, speaking of new, it's all new for a lot of NBA players who have donned different uniforms to begin the 22-23 season. Also, players making their debuts in the NBA. Paolo Bancaro, impressive. The rookie out of Duke. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
4: You are listening to the After Hours podcast.
5: To his left to Noel, inside, Gobert, two-handed flush, and a foul! Beautiful ball movement from Russell to Noel to a cutting Gobert. You couldn't draw it up any better. Top of the key out to Anderson. Pump fake, step through in the lane, back to Russell. Good pump fake, frees himself. Dribbles into the 17-footer, in and out. Rudy Gobert
0: cleans it up with a two-handed flush on the putback. Gobert. 13 rebounds, 21 points in his Wolves debut.
4: This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: Rudy Gobert started what was this very odd offseason in the NBA. Remember where they trade four first-round draft picks, five first-round. I lost count. The number of draft picks that the Timberwolves gave up in order to bring in what is one of the, the dynamic defenders in the NFL? In the Oh, my gosh. See, this is what happens. We get to October. All of the leagues, they all blend together, and I'm having to morph from one to the next. No, don't cry for me, Argentina. I'm just saying that's what happens. It's pretty standard in October. <laughs> How about we go back to the name of the show? Let's see if I can remember that. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay. Rudy Gobert, in the NBA, elite defender. He's good for a double-double almost every time he steps on the court, and the Timberwolves needed him. They really hadn't had a player that they could build the franchise around. I'd say going back to Kevin Love, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love, I mean, those were the two guys, but they've always hit a ceiling, even when they've made the playoffs. And so, to bring in... Rudy Gobert, and have their first game happen in Minneapolis is huge. He goes 10 for 15, 34 minutes on the court, 23 points, 16 rebounds. That's what you're going to get from him, not to mention, again, he's a defender that makes a difference in the middle. Alan Horton on Timberwolves Radio. Syracuse classmate, by the way, and so for Go Bear for the Timberwolves. Cool to be able to kind of get your feet wet and be ready for a long season in a new uniform.
5: It's great, you know. We we play unselfishly, and uh, I, I feel like we had a lot of open shots tonight that we didn't make. And uh, you know, if we keep playing that way, it'd be pretty good.
2: We also had former Utah Jazz teammate. Donovan Mitchell in a new uniform himself. And this is still a head-scratcher to me. I don't get it. I, I know that this is Danny Ainge's M.O., and in in Utah, Salt Lake City, he decided he wanted to blow the whole thing up and start from scratch. I still say you need a guy like Donovan to build around, and it's not like the dude is old, for heaven's sakes. He's still 26 years old, except that they decided they could get something for him, and so they flipped him to. Cleveland and I'm actually happy for Donovan because for him to be able to get a fresh start uh, and and to clearly be the top option on the Cavaliers right away is great. Jared Allen is healthy again. We saw what this team could do last year with a bunch of young guys. It's kind of interesting, right? Cleveland Guardians youngest team in Major League Baseball. Now you've got the Cavaliers with a ton of promise uh, young guys and Kevin Love incidentally is still there so he's the veteran. He's the old dude in the locker room. But Donovan's debut, 31 points to go along with nine assists and a couple of steals in there, 35 minutes on the floor. So he and Rudy Gobert come out, guns a-blazing, so to speak, for their brand-new franchises.
3: He led us, whether he was talking on the, you know, obviously at had 31 points. He's like- shot the ball well just taking that out we know what he can do on the court but in terms of just getting us where we need to be telling us how to run the offense talking on defense did excellent then
5: i'm proud of the way this group responded you know and then for me just just doing my job whatever that may call for that's what i said before i came up that's if it's being more on ball off ball you know defending whatever it may be so um and then you got the bigs man making hell of a hell of a play (laughs) this dude right here man making plays down the stretch on both ends of the floor
2: Mutual admiration society after a game one for the Cavaliers, though they did lose in Toronto to the Raptors. But Donovan Mitchell, meet Jared Allen. Are we looking at one of the new power couples in the NBA? We might be. Let's give it some time. But I do think that they can help one another. It always is a huge deal if on an NBA court you've got two guys that are dangerous, two guys that can create for themselves, that can score with the ball in their hands. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to make life a lot easier for Jared Allen. And the opposite. But Donovan knows how to play with a big man who's competent. A big man who knows what to do with the basketball in his hands. Who knows what to do when he's touching the pumpkin. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Really great to see Zion Williamson back on the court for the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm sorry. I just It's going to take me a bit to get back into NBA mode, okay? I was thinking Grizzlies and Nets. So the the um, all the Grizzlies played the Knicks. They were hosting the Knicks. That game went into overtime. So I, I was sort of in the right market. It was the Nets hosting the Pelicans. All right. I suppose it's time for me to say it right. There goes the perfect show. It <laughs> was a good run. <laughs> we. Like 14 minutes left to go in the hour. I was doing so well. I was think I was feeling myself, you guys. No, I totally wasn't. It wasn't a perfect show. But now that we're talking NBA, uh, it's just, it's been a while. So forgive me. Take three, take four. Grizzlies, we're hosting the Knicks. It was the Nets. It was the Pelicans in Brooklyn. And actually, this game—I see here's the crazy part—is actually watched this game. Uh, it started out like 22 to four in favor of the New Orleans Pelicans on the road. They ended up winning by double figures. Mostly, though, it was really cool to see Zion Williamson back on the court and healthy. That's the part that's awesome. 30 minutes for him, 25 points, nine rebounds. He also had four steals three assists. Remember, when this guy is healthy, there isn't anything he can't do on the basketball court, and so I love to see it. It's been a long time for Zion.
5: Just simply playing the game I love, and I didn't get to play for a long time, just it was a breath of fresh air. It was like a lot of subtle things Um, before the Nets ran out onto the court for warm-ups. Hearing the crowd chant like Brooklyn, I was like, oh man. I forgot like, the allure of just being in an <laughs> arena, especially in a way arena. Look healthy to me. Look good. I mean, got up 22 shots, nine rebounds, 25 points. So um, at this point, it's just typical for him.
2: I mean, it's typical when he's healthy. It's not typical when he's not playing. <laughs> KD kind of forgot to point that part out. Uh, Who do cares? We, do, <laughs> do you think it's, uh, I don't know, maybe a week until he gets grumpy again or no? KD? Yeah. He's pretty happy when he's playing. He loves to hoop, but I don't know if they have a few more games like this one where they start out 22 and four and have uh, a, pff, a, twice as many turnovers as they do points in the first quarter.
3: <laughs> a week might be generous. <laughs> Give him 11 minutes.
2: I'm thinking he gets grumpy pretty quickly. Who cares? But last night, 32 points in 32 minutes for KD. Just the problem, of course, is that there wasn't a ton of help from his running mate, Kyrie. No place to go but up when you are touching the pumpkin. Except, I don't know, if you want Kyrie to care, or at least show you that he cares, if you are looking for Kyrie to exhibit any type of extra passion, uh, any type of extra sense of urgency, after all, he wanted to be traded to the Lakers— that didn't work out. He had no other option that would pay him as much money as the final year of his Nets deal. So he opts in only to find out that KD is see ya, don't want to be a and wants out. Even tries to get the coach and the GM fired. None of those things happened. Nobody got traded. Nobody got fired. Nope. KD and Kyrie. Oh, and now Ben Simmons who did have two buckets for the Nets last night. Now that's not what he does the best. And actually that that may fit well with the Nets, right? Because KD and Kyrie, they're the ones they're going to shoot. You'll get a handful of shots uh, spread out among the rest of the guys, like Patty Mills, still off the bench. Um, I mean, Nick Claxton, he might heat up here or there, but for the most part, this is KD and this is Kyrie. And so <laughs> Ben Simmons to me feels like the right compliment. But back to Kyrie. Nothing happened the way that Kyrie wanted it to, except for maybe KD not getting traded, because once he realized that he was stuck in Brooklyn for another – I'm just saying, he wanted out. Once he realized he was stuck in Brooklyn for another season, well, misery loves company. <laughs> but we <But you, laughs> like oh good. Just does not surprise me that he's not bothered at all by the way they started their season.
6: Upset that we lost, but I'm also glad that we got tested tonight by a great team because you know we upset. we need these. Um, and and it's not time to put our heads down or anything like that. But uh, we have to show a strong resolve and show and show strong faces, and not be swayed so much by our home crowd uh, getting antsy because we were definitely very antsy tonight.
2: I just I don't. There's is it bad?
5: It's the dark side, embrace it. <laughs>
2: Is it bad that now whenever he speaks, I kind of roll my eyes? It's a little bit like Aaron Rodgers these days. Oh, Kyrie, what are you doing at home? (laughs) I'd rather talk about pumpkin carving. Seriously. (laughs) Touch the pumpkin. Anyway, it's just, it's me. I feel like the the whole cry wolf situation uh, with Kyrie Irving. Just uh, Maybe he'll surprise me this season. We get this party started. And I will be the first to admit that I was wrong, but I don't know. Fool me once, shame on. Wait, shoot. I, I suck at cliches. There's a lot of things I stink at when it comes to talking. You are on it. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Oh, boom. Well, can we just end the show right there? Can we just stop right immediately right now? Jay, would you like to finish the last three minutes? No. <laughs> no, you wouldn't?
3: <laughs> no, I'm what not. What do you
2: mean? You could talk about pumpkin carving. And the gloves that you found that go up past your elbows. The best pumpkin carving gloves. The official pumpkin carving gloves,
3: really. With, you're forgetting the best part. The elbow is like a great touch, but the scoop is. No, we do not fingers. need your
4: elbows
2: in the pumpkins.
3: Well, if you really want to get in there and clean it out, you got to get the elbows in How there. How
2: big is this pumpkin?
3: Pretty big. Pretty big pumpkin, <laughs> I guess. Pretty great pumpkin. <laughs>
2: Pretty great pumpkin. <laughs> the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. <gasps> Should we watch that when we do our pumpkin carving? That would for be inspiration. Appropriate.
3: That'd be nice. It would be. He I, doesn't carve it, though, does he?
2: I never knew that you were so into pumpkins. It, you weren't until you saw the gloves and the carving tools did you find a carry kit as well, a travel kit for your pumpkin carving tools?
3: So I have one. I'm between kits right now. I'm still deliber- deciding which one I want to go with. Deliberating. There's, deliberating. There's like this 13-piece kit. There's like a 12-piece kit.
2: 13-piece <laughs> kit? One. What can we possibly need with 13 pieces oh, for well, pumpkin carving?
3: I'm also between that and the 33-piece kit. So with the, both come with cases, but...
2: If you buy a 33-piece pumpkin carving kit,
3: what? It comes with... You're comes fired. Away. No, that's it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you'd use it. Don't. No, I what, wouldn't.
2: What, 33 pieces. Just list some of the 33 pieces. How many knives are there with a 33-piece pumpkin carving kit?
3: Let's see here. It's looking like not as many knives as you'd think. It's more of these like kind of like cookie-cutter things where you can make stuff in the pumpkin, I guess, if you wanted to. And they have... Like a pizza cutter kind of thing. I don't know what you do with that. I got a hammer and a chisel. I, oh, my God. <laughs> all the, all no. these essentials.
2: I do not, first of all, I do not trust you with tools. And second of all, hey, hey uh, we're going to make a huge mess in the kitchen Messy. here it's at CBS mess. Sports Radio. It's going to be fantastic. In fact, I feel that we should essentially just follow the mode of the people who use the studio during the daytime. I won't name any names who leave their nasty cups, sometimes food crumbs Odors. all over the... <laughs> I mean, there's more odors in there than there are already here. But either way, yes, we do keep Glade in my locker for that reason. Should we pay them back? Just carve a pumpkin all over like the ca- the uh, desk in here? No, because then I have to use it. So no, yeah, don't do that. That's true. Besides, there's cameras in here, so we'll get fingered for the mess. But 33 pieces is too many. Jay, can you compromise? Why all of a sudden are you obsessed with pumpkin carving? I kits? don't know.
3: I see it. The packaging got me. I'm sucked in. It's 33 piece, 23 piece. The price isn't that different. So I might as well just go big. <laughs>
2: <I> mean, <laughs> 33 pieces for
3: $33. What is it? It was actually like 20 bucks. 19 Okay, 99. That
2: sounds cheap to me.
3: It might be cheaper. Maybe I'll go for the higher quality.
2: The gloves have plastic claws on the end.
3: Yes, yes, they do.
2: What else can you use those things for? I don't you know. You should, should dress up as a pumpkin carver for Halloween. Your friends will be so impressed.
3: I'll just do that every day. They might
2: never speak to you again. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Boom! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild.